We're so glad you've joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story with us at pastor at relevant316.com. If you would also like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at relevant316.com. There you can select a giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians. That's where we'll be uh, for the next few months as we uh, get through God's word and uh, learn about his heart. I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, as I was studying this week, I just thought to myself, this, this is going to be one of those series through the book of Galatians where it's going to get real. Uh, if you have people who are super uber legalistic and religious in your life, they need to come and be a part of this series because it's about to go down. And then if you have people who are like, you know, questioning Christianity and questioning what God's heart looks like, this is the series. Galatians is literally the the book of the Bible that changed my wife and my my life uh, and just literally gave us a glimpse into what God's heart truly is for our Christians. And so my life was changed through it. My prayer is that your life would be changed through it as well. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about hypocrites. How many of y'all like hypocrites? How many of y'all have had to deal with hypocrites? How many of y'all would consider yourself a hypocrite? Okay, all right, I've got, <laughs> all right, it's going to get fun, it's going to get fun, but um, we're going to do some Bible study today, so it's going to be good. Uh, let's bow our heads and pray and just ask God to uh, teach us this morning. God, I thank you so much for, for this opportunity to once again uh, teach your word. I ask that your word may be clear, that, that everything that's from your heart may, may reach the hearts of your people. And God, as you're blessing us here at Relevant this morning, we want to lift up all the other great churches in our community. Uh, we, we lift up uh, Sandals Church and Harvest Christian Fellowship and Magnolia Church, Pathways Church. Lord, I, I lift up uh, First Baptist down the street, and, and I lift up the, 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 the uh, synagogue that meets next door to us, Lord. We pray for them that, that they, may, they may find Yeshua as well, God. Uh, we lift up all those who would call upon your name, Jesus that they may be saved, Lord, and that you'd embolden your people to live lives that, that, that preach grace, that speak grace, that walk grace, so they may see your heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So in 2007, I got my first ministry job. It, it was actually my first job that I ever got working for anyone, because prior to that, I'd always had my own thing, ran my own businesses, and, and uh, when I was getting into ministry, I was like, you know what, it's very important for me, if I'm going to be submitting um, uh, under God's word, that I, I submit to someone else's ministry, so I de- I, I, instead of saying, I'm going to go start my own ministry, I decided to go ahead and serve another ministry, so I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, oops, I was, I was supposed to say that, but anyways, yeah, it was Phoenix, Arizona, and my first few days were days of orientation. Days of, you know, you know orientation. They, they give you the employee handbook and the staff handbook. And I'm, and I'm going through the book and I'm reading. Everything is good. Everything is good. And then on page seven, there was a, 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 a page dealing with alcoholic beverages. That's when it got fun. And I started reading it and it said, if you are on staff... If you're an employee at this ministry, at this church, you are not allowed to drink alcoholic beverages at any time. 
no amens. That's like, wow. Crickets. Crickets in the house this morning. So I'm reading this. I'm like, cool. I, 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 I'm submitting under this ministry. And if these are the guidelines that they have, I'm going to go along with it. Right? So I, 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 I yeah. A few, a few um, couple weeks later, uh, the senior pastor has a bunch of us young pastors over at his house for a, a get-together. And while we we're at the house, um, the, uh, someone comes in the front door, and it happens to be the senior pastor's mom. And so she yells out, son, Costco had a sale on wine. I bought a whole bunch. Come and get it. And here we are, the young pastors, looking at each other like, did, did we? She meant grape juice. <laughs> she meant grape juice. So we go out to the minivan, and sure enough, she's bought the entire Costco supply of wine. There's enough wine to last years. I mean, it's like, and so senior pastor's like, <laughs> we use it for cooking. I'm like, yeah, right. hypocrite or or trying to keep people safe under some rules that will keep them from sinning. Is 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 the employee handbook hypocritical or is it keeping people from sin? Now, I've been a Christian for a few minutes now, so I've, I've gotten to understand that this, this type of dynamic is not something new. So, so I, here I am on staff at this church, and, and I'm like, the employee handbook says nobody's supposed to drink. And I'm hanging out with some of the other pastors, and, and I go to their, uh, uh, their, their family gatherings. And, and every now and then I see Coors Light in the refrigerator. I'm like, surely that's not for your kids. And it's this idea of like, we, we, we say do this, but, but when we're in, in, the, in our own comfort to, around people that we trust, we live a completely different way. And I, I was like, you know what? And so I, I went to the pastor. I was like, pastor, I, I think that there's some, some guidelines that we have that literally cause your own people to sin because they can't walk out. And live in truth that every now and then they like Guinness. That, that sometimes when they're reading the Bible, they find a text that says wine makes the, a person merry. That, that it was a gift that God gave to humanity. That, that, that wine is not sin. Being drunk and drunkenness is sin. Correct? I mean, I, 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 and so I, I did like a good 18-month study on alcohol and, and the church and Christianity. And, and what I discovered is this, is that those of you who, who, who um, were partying last night, you should know this too. <laughs> you can go to any bar in the city, and if you're a drunk in a bar, guess what happens to you? They call the cops. So, so even outside of the Bible in society, nobody likes a drunk. Because drunkenness is sin. Y'all, y'all with me? 
So, so the principle that God's trying to teach us here is that wine was given as a gift, but if you, if you eat too many Twinkies, Chick-fil-A is awesome. It might even have a sanctification on it, but God is into carbs. He says that he is the bread of life. Amen, somebody. But too many in excess get you into sin. Y'all with me? I, I try to navigate the different ways that we interpret scripture and interpret life. And, and what I've discovered is that, is that human beings have two brains. There's the logical brain and then there's this emotional part that that's, doesn't really meet with logic. You, you, the one that always brings you back into irrational behavior. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul opens up, we talked about this, he opens up Galatians cussing. Cursing people out. It's like, listen, if, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel that is outside the gospel of grace, anything that is taking away from grace, anyone who's trying to impose rules, regulations, and all these other extra things to make you look holy, seem holy, feel holy, anything like that, let that person be damned to hell. Because that is not the gospel that I preach to you. Later on in chapter 3, he'll open up the, 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 the chapter 3 by saying, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started off in faith, and now you're going back to works to attain favor with God, which empties the value of the cross. Verse 11 of chapter 2 is where we'll be for a few moments, and then we're going to go backtrack a little bit uh, to some of the gospels, and, may, and maybe we'll go into Mark, as well, in, into our um, book of Acts as well. Chapter 2 of verse 11 says this, But when Cephas, Cephas is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him. This is Paul speaking. I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now, now, Aren't these disciples supposed to be nice and just happy, shiny, happy people? You know, like, like friendly, like we're disciples of Jesus. And here he is and says, I, I went and I confronted him to his face. I, I opposed him to his face. For, verse 12, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. I think every man should fear the circumcision party. <laughs> it's not a party. When, anyways, it's just. <laughs> Verse 13 And the rest of the Jews, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, Peter, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves, verse 15, are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. I'll stop right there. Maybe we'll continue on, but maybe you have to come back next week to get the conclusion. We, we Jews are not like the Gentile sinners. See, 
I'll go forward a little bit. What, what, what Paul is trying to say is this, is that, listen, you're trying to get these Gentiles, these people who have no understanding of God's guidelines, these people who have tattoos, piercings, smell a little bit of alcohol when they come to church on Sunday morning. Yeah, I'm talking about you. They, they have no understanding of the standards that we have. But, so, so, so yes, we, God said that we are the special people, but what we've discovered is that other people don't get saved by becoming like us, but rather God saves us the same way that he saves the prostitute. God saves you the same way that he, he, he saves the, the strung out crackhead with a heroin injection in his, in his vein. He saves you the same exact way. The gospel of grace simply is this, is that we no longer look at each other and say, I was good enough for God. And so he looked down and said, hmm, I'll take Belima. He's funny. He's tall, dark, and handsome. The kingdom of God will be better off with him. He's the son of a pastor, so he has a little religion in him. But rather, God just looks at all people, busted, disgusted, and the same way that he saves that busted, disgusted. See, the reason why I'm saying that is because I know that all of you compare people. We all live a life of comparison. The economy of this world is comparison. The reason why you want to buy better furniture is because your cousins and them got you furniture. I got an amen right there. She knows what I'm talking about. And that comparison goes along with how we look at each other. Well, what's their credit score? Well, how much do they make? Well, what's, what's their size of their house? Well, where do they come from? Well, he's just from Hemet, so you know, can't really. <laughs> we do this all the time. And it happens the same way with how we approach God. And so God says, you know what? The very same blood that, I was sh- that, that is going to be shed by my son is going to have the same value to save the Republican, the Democrat, the liberal, the conservative, the straight, the gay. Everyone is going to enter through the same door of grace. That's knowledge. Amen? Our emotional, stupid human brain, however, gravitates back to, I was good enough for God. Biblically, intellectually, we we will say amen to the idea that that God saved all people the same way. But but in our emotional brain, you need to become like me before you can fully be walking in step with God like I am. So, Peter comes to Antioch. Let me backtrack a little bit in the beginning of chapter 2, Paul and, and, and takes uh, Barnabas, his preaching partner, and Titus, the, the Gentile, up to Jerusalem. There they have a showdown with all the apostles and all the major influential uh, 
big heads of, 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 of the church at the time, and, and they present to them the gospel that Paul has been preaching to the Gentiles. He's like, I've been preaching this, that you're justified by faith alone. Yes, we agree. Amen. I'm preaching that, that, that Jesus is the only way. He is the truth, the way, the life. Yes, we agree. Okay, then, since we agree, go do your thing. Go preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and, and Peter will have a ministry to the Jews and so forth, and, and everyone is happy, and they leave that meeting, and now Peter comes to Antioch, Paul's home base, and starts acting differently. It it says that when Peter first got to Antioch, he would freely eat with the San Bernardino people. He he didn't drink the special craft beer. He will drink the the, the Dos Equis and the other stuff, the Tecates. But then the Jews from Jerusalem show up, and he puts away the Takate and says, I need a Sam Adams. <laughs> Those of you who grew up in the churches that taught you that alcohol was a sin are really having a tough time this morning. Can you pick a different example, Pastor? Sure, I will. At the barbecue... They were having pork ribs. They were having bacon, which is the flavor of? Amen. But then the Jews from Jerusalem show up, and Peter's like, oh, you know what? This stuff is not kosher. As a matter of fact, I can't be hanging out with y'all. And he breaks fellowship. Religion has a a powerful way of breaking fellowship. You've heard people say, well, religion just divides people. Religion does divide people. Grace brings us together. So let me tell you about Peter, because Peter's getting called out right now. And here's the the thing about the Bible. I'm so glad that I'm not in the Bible. There's one thing I'm thankful for. My Lord, thank you that the Bible is done. You don't need to, like chronicle my life and have people look at me and ridicule me and be like, what what was Belima thinking? Because that's what the Bible does. Here's Peter. Peter is the leader of the church. Peter is the one who stood up and preached and 3,000 people came to, to know Christ in one sermon. This is Peter. Let's go back into Peter's life. Book of Mark chapter 10. Let's go to, no, Mark chapter 7. We'll go to Mark chapter 7. Uh, just for information. The gospel of Mark is pretty much Peter telling the story of the gospel to Mark who's writing it. Okay? So this is Peter's account of the gospel which was penned through Mark. Y'all with me? Okay. So here's, here's Mark chapter 7. Jesus has just gotten done talking about traditions and commandments and saying that you, 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 you're imposing all these traditions that are on the people. And, and Isaiah prophesied to you about how you're hypocrites. And in verse 6, he says, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold on to the traditions of men. Then he goes to verse 14. Let me go to verse 14. Because verse 14 changed everything for me. But then for years after, I still was living 
with the old mentality because I was still stuck to the emotional brain that pulls me back into legalism. Verse 14, Jesus does this. He says, and he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. The people are like, amen. The disciples are like, what the? What's he? I, know he, I know he's not, he doesn't mean that. And so it says, and when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. Teacher, what did you exactly mean when you said what you said? And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? That's Jesus dissing them. Are y'all still dumb? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Do you need a YouTube tutorial on what he means? Okay, good. We're together. Then parentheses here. Watch this. Thus, he declared all food clean. Thus, he declared all food clean. Bacon. Sausage, rabbit soup. <laughs> Some of y'all from Alabama, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thus he declared all foods clean, and he said what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of his heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Is there anyone who I've listed all those things has fallen outside of those things? Can say that you've never had envy, you've never had slander, you've never had pride, you've never had foolishness, you've never had sensuality, you've never had deceit. Deceit, wickedness, coveting. The indictment is to all of humanity. Because what you need to understand is this, is that you're not a sinner because of your behavior. You're a sinner because that's who you are. And out of who you are, you start throwing shade. Out of who you are, you behave a certain way. So Jesus is like, listen, I know that you Jews, you, you've been trying to keep these laws and these rules because you think that, that by these behaviors and doing the things this way and not eating this food and eating this food and washing your hands like this and, and baptizing your, your forks and your spoons, true story, that by doing all these things, that's what will purify you. And I'm telling you, this does not purify you. What defiles you is what comes out of you. And if there's sensuality, envy, pride, sexual immorality on the inside, it will come out on the outside. So, so Peter hears this. Peter's one of the disciples, right? He's heard Jesus say, it's what comes out of a man, not what goes into a man. He has declared all food clean. Peter probably is the one who had Mark write the little parentheses. He declared all foods clean here. Fourteen years later, 
Everyone say 14 years later. The crucifixion has taken place. Christ has ascended. The Holy Spirit has come down. Peter has stood up and preached the gospel in front of these people in Jerusalem. 3,000 men come to the Lord. The Holy Spirit has come down. People are speaking in tongues. It feels like you're at a charismatic party. But stuff is happening. 14 years later, Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, in the house by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and and a devout soldier from among them who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Verse 9, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry. So, so here's Peter. Have you ever been praying and you're hungry? That's just confusing right there. I mean, it's like, oh, Lord, I want to talk to you, but I need a sandwich. <laughs> he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. That's a hunger trance. He fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals, reptiles, birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is a common or unclean. Fourteen years later, he heard Jesus say, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of a man, thus declaring all food clean. So when this Cajun barbecue starts coming from heaven, because they're the only people who eat reptiles, alligator meat, goats, and all kinds of other exotic things. And the voice from heaven says, Peter, let's chow down. Peter's like, no, Lord. Mm-mm. I have never in my life touched anything that def- that's defiled, that's common or unclean. I will not. Holy Spirit's like, but you're hungry. I'm religious. Verse 15, and the voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. What God has declared clean, thus he declared all foods clean, do not call common. Fourteen years later, Peter is still struggling. This happened three times, verse 16 tells us. And the thing was taken up at once into heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed 
as to what the vision and, and, and that, he, he might, uh, that he had seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry of Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging with them. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for him. Rise and go down and accompany, accompany them without hesitation. The story goes on. Peter goes and meets Cornelius, a Gentile, preaches the gospel to him. This man had been hungry for God, searching for God, wanting God, but could not be connected to God because religion had divided him. Now, Peter's reminded, 14 years ago Jesus said this, just now I had a vision. The gospel is for the Gentiles too. That means people from Colton can receive this thing. Moreno Valley can be saved. And we all know he needs to be saved. That's why we're going to start a campus there sometime soon. So in verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. Who's saying this? Peter, the hypocrite. Peter. It's like I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Verse 44, I'll jump there, says, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. The Mexicans received it. Religion could not build a wall. High enough for grace. Come come on, somebody. That was good. The the alt-right is in here saying, "Uh, Pastor, choose another illustration. They were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water from, from baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? They they got saved the same way that we got saved. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Now here's where it gets really, really interesting. Because this is what happens in church. Chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Hmm, that's, that's nice. These Gentiles have received the word of God. Okay, great. Are they singing our hymns? Are they reading our books? Verse 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began to, to explain and, and, and to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying and, and in a trance I saw a vision. 
and, and, and later on it goes, says, and the voice said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And, and the Lord said that, 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 that for nothing is common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And, and, and he goes on and says, but this will happen. And, and 14 years ago, I was with Jesus and, and, and he told us these things and, and, and all these things. And the gospel is for all people. And, and he's excited about the gospel. But the circumcision party are criticizing you eight with these people. This is chapter 11. Chapter 15, we have the council in Jerusalem that we talked about in Galatians chapter 2 that takes place. And, and there, again, the same thing happens. The, the whole church, the leadership meets, and they're like, we don't need to restrict the Gentiles. They're receiving grace the same way that we're receiving it. Let them go. Just tell them to stay away from sexual immorality. Let them experience God in their own cultural context. God does not show partiality. So here's Peter coming back to Antioch, acting differently because the circumcision party has shown up. Here's what religion will do. It will divide you, but religion will also instill a fear of man in you. It doesn't say that Peter was afraid of, of James and John and, and all the other great apostles. It doesn't say that Peter was fearing God. It's like, oh my gosh, God's going to judge me for this. No, Peter was afraid of these certain Jews. Certain men. And he began to separate himself, fearing the circumcision party. I, I, I took time to talk about Peter because what I'm starting to see nowadays, I'm going to pick on those of you who are on the, on the edge, on the fringe a little bit, is I'm starting to see a lot of quote-unquote Christians criticizing other Christians. I guess there's this new movie that just came out, Beauty and the Beast. Some things happen in it. I've told myself I'll not watch such movies until my kids force me. So last month I've been watching Moana. I'm tired of watching Moana. I know all the songs by heart now. But, but this movie came out and, and, and I've, I've noticed people writing threads about Christians and their hypocrisy and how can they judge I'm not familiar with the movie yet to really comment on it, but I, I see all this criticism of Christians and how they, they treat these people and Christians and they, they say one thing and they do another thing. Peter, the leader of the church, the pastor in Jerusalem, the one who walked with Jesus, the one who, who when Jesus said, who do you say I am? You're none other than the son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Peter, the one that Jesus said that I, you will be the rock. Peter, the one who, yes, denied Christ three times, but then went on to preach the first Christian sermon when the Holy Spirit came down. You mean to tell me that Peter had a problem going back, feeling the gravitational pull of religion? 
if we can give Peter grace, let's give each other some grace. Knowing that in our hearts, in our minds, we understand that we came through the same door of grace. But inside each and every one of us, there's this gravitational pull to go back to righteousness by merit. Righteousness by what we do, how we do it, and who do we do it with. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Relevant Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. 